every podcast I say I'm a youth mentor I'm actually creating my own foundation brand brand new this year for me because I have an entrepreneur mindset I want to tackle the things that people haven't tackled so for instance getting the actual premises like really going for it so I've got a local petition that I'm starting you can find it on change.org which is basically turning the old NatWest building on Acton High Street to a youth community complex uh, so I just started a great idea to have a crowdfunding campaign in my local area so go and support us we've got a page and a link for that hello welcome to the desire to inspire podcast i'm jerome and i'm basically going to speak about what i do why i do it i'm just bringing you in my world um so yeah today was a really good day this is the third episode um and obviously i'm going to continue on talking about the book uh, that i'm reading at the moment um but what i what i want to really start off with is like you know technology is a great thing because you can now collate information and ideas and thoughts straight onto your phone is so easy and quick and it just makes it so simple if you have like consistent thoughts so just do like stuff that you want to do later on in the day your phone is literally a voice recorder it's a note taker you can film almost anything and capture almost anything which is key on the go um so this this is really good so today i kind of like was putting down bullet points of kind of what i wanted to talk about when thoughts came to my head um, so it's really good, so I can kind of draw back to my phone, um, and obviously I'll be doing the pages that I made the notes on <clears throat> to talk about the book that I'm reading. But um, today was a really progressive day. I feel like because I had my morning routine, I woke up. Um, I'm not gonna lie, I put my hands up. Like the first two days, um, I wasn't as committed as I should have been, and I missed out on a few tasks, which is fine. And I feel like you should never get discouraged. You know, you you gotta have a struggle. You gotta have something that you're going through so you can assess it and get better. So. The one thing that does help me, and it's literally my Bible, and I'm not even joking when I say that. Basically, the story behind it is I went to an event um, that I got invited to by this um, young, what kind of call them? They were like young entrepreneur group who like done events for young black people in London. <clears throat> and then I went to their event and they made a really massive giveaway, which is something that I even use to this day. And I don't know if anyone ever used um, what was given to them for free, which is so valuable. Um, which is a productivity planner. I, I suggest any entrepreneur, anyone does business, anyone that needs to be organized and prioritize their tasks and their life, this is key. And I feel like my main thing I need to work on right now is prioritization. I'm not the best. I'm trying to work in it. I'm trying to, because as you know, when, you know, especially when you're creative, you've got so many ideas, so many things to work on, and the things come so fast that you kind of have to have an organized way of like, what get done first, last, second, you know, and train yourself to be like that. It's not easy, trust me. And I'm, I'm working on it. Because um, I can easily get caught in a whirlwind of work and doing tasks that don't matter, tasks that do matter, and just putting them all together and it just comes time consuming and you end up getting nowhere. So you need to do the tasks that give you the results and stuff like that. So long story short, this productivity plan, go on Amazon, anybody can get it. You can get it in different colours. It just breaks down day to day exactly what you need to do. Um, it gives you reward system. So if my reward system is downtime. So before I didn't really have downtime, um, like ever. But now I kind of work towards having downtime. So I call it um, recreation time. So um, for instance, this morning I woke up at 5 a.m., went to the gym, uh, came back, read a book that I'm reading called Talk. Um, and I thought them two hours was a great start to the day. And I rewarded myself with recreation time where I watch videos, and it's funny because like I'm watching videos on actual business and entrepreneurship. I was watching a video today on the rise and fall of Subway because I remember when Subway, you know, 20, 15 years ago, when it came to London, it was such a big thing to now. 
they're closing stores. It's so interesting to see the growth um, and the falls of companies and why they fell and stuff like that. So again, I'm a consistent learner. So even in my downtime, I'm watching. It's just a, it's just a passion. I feel it's just a passion. Um, so yeah, and I kind of obviously read the book today. I worked today and I done a lot of work uh, for my youth mentorship program, social enterprise that I'm building. A lot of work. I spent a couple of hours kind of again organizing, prioritizing tasks, and then. At the end of the couple of hours, I just made a list of like kind of what I want to work on specifically. So yeah, it took me a while, but kind of, I'm, again, I'm working on that, you know, and it, it, was a re- it was a really productive day, better than yesterday, because I kind of stuck to what I was going to do. I literally just crammed in this recording. I just literally cooked some food, um, and now I'm doing this. So now it was a really good day today. Um, so I'm going to just look at some of the notes on my phone and just, just quickly just breathe over kind of my book, right? My book is called Why Conversations Matter. And I'm literally recording notes on my phone and, you know, I'm going to collate it and transcript it and, and make it into an audio book. I decided I'm not going to write it. I'm going to make it an audio book because I can just do that very easily. Um, so basically, yeah, like I basically read the book about talk. And the reason why I'm reading it because I want to understand it. You know, there's actually people that are actually conversationalists that analyse how people talk, why we talk and stuff like that. So... I always find it very interesting and I still do it to this day. You might have a conversation with somebody, no matter how you meet them. And then the introduction, the name of how my name is, doesn't come in because the conversation flows so well. And then at the end of it, you're like, oh yeah, I'm going now. What's my name? Like, that that's always weird to me. Like, why people would have a conversation and the name isn't the first thing they say. Um, some people might be a bit awkward and think, who am I actually chatting to? Like, what's your actual name? Um, but I try and do it. I try, when I'm having conversations, I might say, oh yeah, my name's Jerome, by the way. What's your name? and then continue on the conversation. But a lot of people will do that. They'll get engrossed in a conversation and then when they're exiting it, when they're leaving, they say, wait a minute, what's your name again? <laughs> that happens so much time. And I just, I don't know, it just came up in the book as well. <clears throat> and yeah, it was just very interesting to know. But um, I'll give you a little reflection, you know, because I have a lot of um, flashbacks sometimes in my head and stuff. And today, obviously, because I work in school and I work with youth and stuff like that, I always go back to my school life and college life and I just never forget like in 07, 08 it was like crazy like knife crime was bad it was, it's always been bad but that was a massive period of gangs and, and there's a lot of stabbings and stuff for young people and I just remember being so driven I was just like in mu- you know doing music in college and stuff and I remember like going onto like a website I don't know whether it was like an apprenticeship website or a college website but there was just so many courses for every single thing and I just thought to myself like there's so much things to do. Why is there bare man on road? And the teacher turned to me and said, Rah, like, you should go do a campaign for these people because the way you're talking is like, you know, because I think I always had that in my head. Like, what? Like, why wouldn't you do anything else? Like, you can go to uni and do any subject. Like, literally, like, I remember my friend telling me one day, like, yeah, man, you can do it. You can get a degree in anything. Like, literally, like, there's a, there's a degree for every subject. They're creating courses now, you know. So, I, I for my head, yes, you, even if you don't don't know what you want to do, you have an idea, you can still do a course in it and meet people that are doing stuff. And, and it's just like, the abilities are out there, you know? And obviously when I'm working with the older kids in terms of like 11 and 12, it's like, this is the path now. What do you want to do? And, and I ain't going to lie, I didn't know what I wanted to do at, at you know, 15, 16, but it's good to have an idea because obviously what I started doing when I left school is not what I'm doing now, obviously, but it's always good to have something rather than nothing for the youth, I feel just having options, having something that you can do is so key. And um, just going back to the um, the book that I read called Science of Conversations, um, 
the, the it talked about the how are you's. Everyone does it every day, right? And generally, it's just something that we introduce with. We say hello, or like, or hi, how are you, right? But we don't actually generally mean how are you doing, right? But we say it as a term of like, you know, caring about people's well-being. But I don't think generally people come in and say, oh, how are you? Like, they really want to know how you are. They're just saying it because it's just something that we do. But for me, like when I have conversations with a few, not many entrepreneurs, people that do business, I might say to them, how's business? And I don't want to mean like, how's business? Like I'm saying, how are you? Because most people reply like, oh yeah, it's good. What about you? Like, I want to know, like, it's different. Like, if I'm asking you a question, like, how is business? I want to really know how's business. Because every time anyone asks me that question, I will be able to break it down to a T, like what I'm working on and what I'm doing next, what I'm working towards. Like, I would know like everything because that's just how my brain is. But I, it always favored me like, oh, how is your business going? Oh, it's good. How's yours? Like, they're trying to avoid it. Like for me, if, you, if you're not doing good, then you can learn and grow from it. If you're trying to hide and not really say anything and you're waiting for someone to ask you questions, it's like, you don't want to grow then. You don't want to learn because you just want to stay stagnant. But for me, I remember just like, again, going back, flashbacks, only a few years, you know, when I had my um, studio and stuff, I used to work with this guy. I have to give him only a shout out, man, Patrick from Hot Money Studios. And we used to have regular, regular, regular conversations about business. And most of the time, the stuff I learned was from stuff I told him. And I was like, yeah, it's not doing good because of that. Or I need to work on this. I need to do it. If I always said, oh, yeah, it's all right. How's yours? Like trying to defer from the question, then I wouldn't have learned and grown and, and known anything. I would have just been in a show of like, I'm trying to perceive that I'm doing great. And a lot of people lie in business because I know, you know, entrepreneurship, people are insecure. But for me, vulnerability is a strength and you can use it to grow and learn from. If you're hiding and you're pretending that everything's okay, then you're not going to go so far. So I feel like, yes, yeah, sometimes people might tell you something you don't want to hear. They might even make you feel a bit, you know, insecure and whatever. But it's always going to be information you can build on. And that's my whole point. So if any entrepreneurs are listening to this and somebody asks you, how's business, good or bad, you need to say, we need to know where we're going, what we're doing, why we're like, you need to really be in that brain process of just not using it as a hi, how are you? And just saying, I'm fine. What about you? You know? especially if we're talking to people that are doing what we're doing because they're the best people we can get information from. So that was my little story. And you need to kind of be uncomfortable with being uncomfortable with the information. You might, you might not want to hear it, but I feel like that, that's the biggest advice I've heard like out there is like being uncomfortable in situations. I always do things that I don't even know 100% I can do. I always put myself in situations where I don't want to do something 100% like because you can always grow from it. So being uncomfortable is great. We need to do it all the time. Um, so that's what I feel. Let's go into the book right now um, called What You See Is What You Get by Alan Sugar. Um, and I've got a few notes here. So yesterday, obviously, we were reading a book or I was reading the notes I made from the book. And we're talking about kind of working with people and obviously iron them out, check out who's got strengths, who's got weaknesses. That is such a crucial thing. Like... We, I feel people just go into business with anybody and it feels like just because of who they are or what they do. But I feel like people need to do a due diligence and like who they're actually going to be. It's like a marriage. Like, you know, that that's really what it is. And you need to know what people are working towards, how we can get the best out of each other and how we can grow together. So that's kind of where I stopped. So here now, this is, this is a big topic I'm going to kind of spin on, um, which Alan Sugar basically had his children and married very young in his 20s while he was pursuing business every day and in here you could tell he's really 
guilty for his ambition. He's guilty for being so driven and not being supportive of his wife and his children when they were very young. Just from this line here where he says, fathers who get involved in the upbringing of their children, I have to admit that I fell a long way short. I missed out on a lot with my kids' childhoods. I was quite selfish. I was tired and I really needed to recharge my batteries, which is understandable. The only time I really spent with my kids was on holiday. And he's probably speaking to a lot of, not just fathers, parents. There's a lot of people that I know in the entrepreneurial world that are like, I think the best people that do it well are mothers, right? I've seen so many great mums that are doing business and they're just, on the outside, they make it look so great. Like they really got a great balance. And yes, we know it's probably hard and tough and we're in a day and age of unplanned pregnancy. So when I see anybody trying with children, it's great because there's so many people that, I've said to me in the past, oh, I've got kids, I can't do this, or I've got children, oh, I'm never going to, you know, so with that mindset, like, people need to break that. I've seen amazing mums bring their children to meetings, bring their children, like, everywhere they go, because you have to find a way to make it work if this is what you want. And it's, it's very, very hard. So that's the biggest sacrifice, I feel like, anyone young that's not with anybody or a family person in their maybe 20s or 30s, you know, that's a sacrifice. Even me personally, that's the one that I've consciously held up because I care about family and children so much that I know who I am. Like, I know I'm ambitious, so it's going to be very hard for me to dedicate time into raising a child and they need they need a lot of support, especially when they're young. And you can see, Alan Sugar's really, like, kind of reminiscing back. But some, some people uh, are slaves to their ambition, I know. You can't, you were born with it. I believe, I believe that. That the real people that are driven, they were born ambitious. They can't escape it. It's continuous. And if you know that about yourself, if you're self-aware, then I feel you should change the perspective of your dating life. You should change the perspective of who, who you're around in terms of um, females. Like it's just such a massive thing that I'm trying to learn from and look at and think, okay, how could I learn and do better now just from reading this story? So I think just generally people need to think twice before they have children. Um, don't fall into peer pressure to have a baby young. Um, they should be planned, you know, because again, they take a lot of emotional toll and a lot of financial toll, and it takes a lot of attention to raise a child well. And you, it's, it's it's any great parents that I've seen is a selfless act. Like I'm lucky enough that most of my peers have had children before me, so I'm learning from my peers rather than learning from um, my olders. You know, the older lot, like my parents, aunties, and uncles, and, and people like that. So it's, it's it's like I've seen great examples of dads, like massive. Um, I would even say their names on this podcast, like Daniel, one of my friends, Mitchell, one of my friends, amazing fathers, just to see it, like, and people like Rory, you know, one of my guys was like, he got a job, and he's like, every two weeks without fail, he needs to see his kids, this is a co-parent relationship, and to see that, and obviously I would love to have a family together, but, you know, fairy tale, idealistic world, but if I was a co-parent, I would model these guys. Like, I would model these young men who's showing me how you can be a great dad. And I feel like that's very, very hard to, to do if you're doing business and you're really passionate about it. And the time and the work and the attention and the late nights and the long days, they, take, they can take a toll, not just on you, but the people around you. So reading that really hit home for me um, and really let me, f- like, look at Alan like that. Like, wow, like, Alan really felt way, you know, when he was working that much and I'm being away from his children. But if you want it at a high level, then this is Gary Vee said this before as well. You need to devote your entire life to it. And that's not even an understatement. Like it depends. And everybody has different work life balance. Everybody has things for their own reasons. But if you want to create a change in your life, just your life, 
that's going to take a lot of work. Imagine you have like a goal for taking care of your family or taking care of the next generation or taking care of your sick parent. Like once you have a drive of, a, of a, like a strong why, then you're not going to look at it as work. You're going to look at it as this is what is necessary for me to get where I need to get to. That's what I got from this book. And it's just, it's so, it's such a good book, man. It's like really going through his whole life and like everything, not just The Apprentice. We're going through his whole childhood all the way up. And we're not even in The Apprentice part yet. But um, let me continue on. There's another note that I made here, which he says, one had to respect the supply chain. It's very bad business practice to go behind the supplier's back. So obviously he was like buying like cassette tapes from people for suppliers and then obviously got some, like it always happens, you know, you got somebody else, but he wanted to stay loyal. He didn't want to, you know, turn his back and do it and just come to the guy. He he really has really good business ethics. Like even if there was a better deal somewhere, he would really stick with his guns and be loyal because he knows the value of a relationship in business and how important it is. So that line, I, I really resonated with that one too. There's another line here. Um, which 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 ties into being logical and emotional, and sometimes it's hard because I feel generally everybody's emotional beings. I feel we all want love, we all want success, we all want food, water, shelter. Like most human needs is 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 connected to emotion, um, and even marketing, really good marketing, is sold emotionally because people buy emotionally. Um, so this is really key. What he said here, he said, I wasn't so stupid as to let my feelings rule my head. So that line he was basically thinking about the same thing that I just spoke about like trying to you know going at somebody because of how you feel um so here he's, he's saying that um you put business first and then married this person but he wasn't really keen this is when he was in Japan on some of the stuff he'd done but he knew logically it made sense and he didn't want to kind of make an emotional decision so there's another line here it says the way to impress my suppliers was to lay down long orders and more importantly, take the stuff. This built a strong, strong bond of trust. And again, it's just it's just kind of what I was saying before is being reliable, you know, being a person of your word and being consistent with your actions. And this goes, again, ties back into having a strong relationship with people that you do business with. You want to create trust and value. And I just, I put this line here about even my gut feelings because yesterday I was actually looking at like, 50 Cent's career and Eminem was doing a, um, a speech and he was basically saying that um, when he met 50 he was so driven and you know he really wanted to invest in him because of his presence and he said that it was his gut feeling that made him sign 50 Cent that was one of the biggest investments he ever made because that was at the tail end of Eminem's career so a lot of people go by how they feel like your body won't lie to you I've heard that before um, so Eminem went by that and it was very interesting to hear him say that and a lot of people have said that they, they go by their gut feeling and um, Alan, Alan's put that in, in his book here um, so yeah that's kind of that's kind of it really man I've gone through through the notes and a lot of stuff have happened in his life like his um, wife's mum died Rita had a, had a son who had a daughter a couple years after and they named her Rita which is Roxy Mitchell from EastEnders. <clears throat> so he's kind of put that in here as well, So which is, which is good. And this is the last thing I'm gonna leave you with. And I've always had this ethos. That's why for me, when I start anything, I always start from the ground up, meaning that I would be in a position of the employee and then and be the employer, but I've always been, I've been there. 
you know. Um, so this one is saying, I've always believed that I should, shouldn't should ask anyone to do what I can't do myself. Which means that if you're the owner of the business, if you own a restaurant, you should know how to clear a table, you should know how to pour a drink. It's not just about giving orders. And the best teachers teach without speaking. If you want to be a role model and a positive influence, you need to model behavior. And I feel that's that's, a, that's a, such a good thing to stick by because then there's no ego, there's no hierarchy. Yes, there's, there's bigger things you can focus on. Just him saying that, just let me respect him a little bit more. Um, so yeah, that's another day. I'll be back tomorrow for another episode of the Desire to Inspire podcast.